1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing
2: Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next
1: adventure on Fishing Booker.
3: Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's
1: up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down...
0: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Hi boys and girls, welcome to once again the Bass Guy uh, for Brother,
1: this is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Palatin. Welcome back everyone, another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Hey, welcome back to
2: the
0: Marnie I'm your host Christopher. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Happy season.
3: You here with the of Outdoor Woman podcast. Hey
1: guys, welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast.
3: We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com.
4: You're listening to the final cast on Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. I'm Brad. I'm Matt. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. No, I was going to start the intro, and then I was
1: like, <clears throat> I don't know why, but I forgot to speak. Um, like, I was just looking at the camera, and I was like, I should talk right now in my head. And then it was like, I'm, I can't talk. What's going on? So I'm really glad you said something when you did, because I would have just sat there like an idiot. So.
4: Hey. I thought I was starting it off anyway. Well, so then it worked out kind of good. It worked out this week, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's new? Um,
1: not a whole lot, to be honest. Um, let's see. I got the new fide rod for everyone out there. I like it so far. I'm going to have a post on it at the end of. You'll see it on my Instagram when this comes out. Um I have a post on that. Pretty excited about that. Pretty dope. Uh, and of course, you know, I had to work black Friday, but the joy of 2022 is everything's on the internet now. So I don't, don't wish that I, where I work, it's not busy on black Friday. We're just oh. open because everyone else is. I yeah. think I talked to like 15 people all day. It was great. Oh. Um, but cyber Monday is awesome. So I got in on the tackle warehouse sale and got a couple other things, um, um, Got my wife's Christmas knocked out, so I don't have to worry about that anymore. Which is heck yeah, dude! <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. I, I'm, uh, I'm slack
4: and I, I hate Christmas shopping, man.
1: Dude, so do I. Last year, I bought Stacy's gift in like July, and I was like, "Merry Christmas!" There you go. <laughs> She's like, "What do you well, mean?" I was like, "Your
4: birthday is like the day after Christmas, so you're you always had your parties in July growing up." That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah, like all our part, all my parties were like we either went paintballing in yeah. July, and then went to CC's Pizzas after. Or what else did we do? Laser tag in July. Like we did everything when it was hot. my mom's like, this is Jesus's birthday. Okay. (laughs) You're not going to be here on Jesus's birthday. Yeah. No, she just didn't want me to like struggle. Like, Hey kids, I'm having a party at my house because there's, when we were younger, it snowed here way more than it does now. But it was like, Oh, there's two feet of snow outside. And we're going to sit inside and watch TV because that's literally all you can do. So yeah, we did fun stuff. Um, good memories. But what? other than that, I don't have a whole lot going on. So, what have you been up to? Because you I have was going to say,
4: news. well, you you already know what I'm going to say. While I know. you were, while you're sitting there working, I was out on the river. I caught my PB. Yeah, twenty and seven eighths. Tank thing was huge. Tank, oh
1: my so oh my gosh,
4: that was awesome. Run us,
1: dude. run us through play by play. Go.
4: <laughs> I was so I was fishing this section of the river not going to say obviously um well, duh. i was uh i fished for two hours without a single bite throwing the jerk bait uh put the jerk bait down after an hour picked up the net rig through that for like 30 minutes nothing uh i was about to call it quits paddled over back up to the bridge where i started and i cast it in between two laydowns with a spinner bait I let that spinnerbait sink all the way down. I just started slow rolling it. That thing just hammered it immediately. I was like, oh, crap. I, he started zigzagging back and forth. I'm pretty sure he bounced off uh, one of the bridge abutments, ran back under the log, ran back the other way. It was nuts. My line got caught in my uh, smart cleat on the bow of my sholey. And uh, I can see dude, it, it now. Like I, I was getting anxious, out. man. I was getting anxious. Like I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so he yeah, almost I got mean, off.
1: You know what would have happened if you were still using LYN line?
4: It would have broken. I would broke, have cried.
1: And you would have lost it and then you just like you would have just jumped off, you would have unzipped your dry suit, kept it on so it filled with water, so you became a rock and you just sunk to the bottom of the river and died. <laughs> Cuz I would have done totally. that.
4: But um that's not the case though. I landed the fish and it was awesome, too.
1: And this story and experience is a great teaching moment. Just because certain techniques are winter specific, like jerk baits, slow finesse baits, do not be afraid to switch it up. I know dudes who will throw jerk baits all winter and catch good fish, and then there'll be days they don't catch anything, and they throw a six-inch glide bait out, and guess what they're hitting? A six-inch glide bait. For whatever stupid reason, they want that. So, hey. don't be afraid to switch it up and make moves because as a uh, winter fishing, I'd be, I would never even think spinnerbait. It would be down here next to my chair till spring and I wouldn't touch it.
4: Yeah. So, hey, my favorite quote from Glenn Young from Z Man the fish don't read the same books we do.
1: The fish don't read the same books we do. <laughs> now, I will say, I mean, if, if you, uh, you just, okay, we'll go off that knowledge. You throw a spinnerbait the rest of winter and I'll throw a jerkbait and we'll see who catches more fish.
4: I don't want to do that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> so
1: just because they don't read the same books. So I'm saying yeah. you can change it every now and then. Now, I'm not telling people to go out there and be like, yeah, go on out there and throw a 12-inch glide bait in Ohio in the river and smallmouth elite just No, that's stupid. But change it up. Just change up their patterns. Throw some stuff they don't know and they haven't seen. Maybe they were wanting to bite it. Just saying. Yep.
4: Don't twist my words. Well, all right. N- enough of that. Uh, with that said, man. All right. So we've done a cold water episode uh recently but that me and matt were no experts on the matter we were sharing what we uh have so far uh so we're we're bringing in somebody else that can go a little bit more in depth about it why he picks the stuff he does
1: i literally have some of this stuff because he's talked about it so like yeah there you go so (laughs) yeah
4: without further ado we got chuck earls coming on the show to talk about cold water fishing what's up man
1: how you guys doing Good. Oh, living the dream, brother.
4: <laughs> uh, do you want to start off by uh, introducing yourself, like what you do, uh, where you're from, all that kind of stuff?
2: Sure. <clears throat> uh, I'm Chuck Earls. Uh, I run Lake Erie Kayak Fishing Guided Adventures. i the cold water expert uh, in the area. Um, also do a lot of speaking gigs, presentations, um, and seminars on safety um, on the water, especially in the winter time, because you're in Ohio, six months out of the year, uh, that water can kill you mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, as a matter of fact, we just had a young man, uh, while I was in Portugal. Um, he was out there in shorts and a t-shirt mm. early November, the water temperatures, you know, high forties. He was, ha- he, he was wearing his PFD, but unfortunately that doesn't give you much time, you know, in, in that frigid water, you got to be able to get out, you know, get back in your kayak and get back to shore, but most importantly, be protected. So you always want to, you know, dress for immersion, dress for the swim. Uh, you never want to think it's not going to happen to me because it will.
4: No, I agree with that. And I've said this story before many times. I flipped my kayak last year for the first time debated on wearing my dry suit that day. The water temperature was 70 air temperature was 60 outside, but there was 30 mile an hour wind and the rest of the float. I shivered the whole time. I'm like, I should have wore the dry suit. Yeah. That was not. Yeah.
1: Life. I mean, it's <clears throat> a lot of people don't realize, especially because we are in Ohio, like you said, and we're, we're we're this freak state who does uh, our weather's bipolar half the time um so when we have swings like today it was 60 degrees when last week it was snowing yeah. so people don't realize oh well it's 65 degrees out i can go out and a long tee long sleeve and wear shorts and i'll be fine they don't understand the just because it got warmer here the water didn't just spike up that's not how it works that water's still in the mid to low 40s and you you know just because it's 65 air temp it doesn't help you because 65 air tip feels like 32 once you come back out of the water and you're freezing and you're not wearing the right stuff. So yeah.
4: Yeah. Right. Uh, So where do you want to start here? I know. Well, let's start with the obvious, like the dry suit. Is there like a specific brand that you like to stick to, or is there like multiple brands that you recommend?
2: Uh, Well, the, the one that I'm in is uh, it's a coca-tet Hydrus supernova. Uh, Semi dry suit. Uh, what that means is it has a, a neoprene neck gasket versus the, the restrictive latex neck gasket. I've tested it numerous times in the absolute worst conditions possible, uh, and it does the job. It keeps me dry, keeps me safe. Uh, now, the flip side, if you're going to be doing white water or um, surf ski, or something like that where you're going to be constantly immersion and rolling and under uh, aggressive water, uh, the full dry suit with the the latex neck is definitely the way to go.
4: Okay. That's interesting. I know we, we've talked about that quite a bit, and everybody's like, oh, semi-dry suit, dry suit. I know the neoprene gasket's a lot more comfortable, but people are kind of hesitant to go towards that because they think that you're still going to get wet because so is that not the case with that well it's not
2: a hundred percent watertight mm-hmm. you might get a tablespoon or two but ba- you know down your back uh but Ooh. with the right under layers it's not going to make a difference uh it mm-hmm. just kind of wakes you up a little bit and <laughs> really that that mainly only happens if you forget to cinch it down you know so once you put your dry suit on make sure it's cinched down even if it's uncomfortable As long as it's tight, you know, you're pretty much good to go.
4: I wish I would have known that when I bought mine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh, Brad tried to talk me, like, try to explain this to me. And he was like, because I bought my dry suit this year. Um, It's my first real experience on the water in such frigid temps. And he was like, yeah, just get the semi dry suit. It's going to be way more comfortable. And I was, uh, I would say three clicks away. And I was like, dude, if I fall in, I just, I, for some reason was like, uh, neoprene is great i mean i have it my waiters are neoprene they work fine uh it feels better it's more comfortable i was like man i don't for some reason i feel like that gasket's what's going to save my life uh <laughs> after the one time and i had a like a volleyball in this thing for like a month and a half the first time i go out i didn't have a net gator on underneath it and all i feel is just getting choked out and i can feel my <laughs> like my skin getting irritated and they're like yeah you gotta wear something underneath it and i was like man i should just got it semi-dry suit this is stupid so speaking of that uh wearing something underneath it basically
2: is gonna defeat the purpose because the water is gonna wick through that neck gator or or
1: whatever fabric you have underneath and right into the dry suit
4: Mm
1: -hmm. oh see so i was technically safer than both of you when i went out (laughs) so suck it
4: yeah well i think justin justin was the one that told you to do that too wasn't he
1: he was, yeah, because he was like, yeah, I always wear something underneath it, which makes total sense because the water will wick through. Um, I wonder, I, I, I tell you what, rabbit hole, this would be a great product investment to make something that you could attach to the inside of the neoprene or the gasket so it's comfortable but still holds its rigidity.
4: Yeah, I don't right. know if they could do that or I'm not. S- but-
1: I'm not smart enough to do that, so I'm not, I mean, anybody listening out there who is intelligent, have at it. I won't even sue you, maybe. So,
2: I mean, what it comes down to, you know, at the end of the day, if you're going to be out there in your cold water gear, go out and test it. See how it's going to perform. Most importantly, see how your underlayers are going to perform in those la- those uh, temperatures. You know, because just guessing might put you in a potentially dangerous situation, especially what I do. You know, we're, we were almost three miles offshore today. The water temperature was 45 degrees. Um, The wind was blowing a little bit. The air temperature was somewhere around 50. So without the right under layers, you get in the water. I mean, a dry suit's going to keep you dry. It's not going to keep you warm.
4: Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, which is definitely
1: something, you know, I want to hit on this episode and we will. We'll get to the under layers, but that's one thing you read so much stuff where people are suggesting this or just suggesting, oh, yeah, just wear, you know, what you got up in your closet underneath it. And, you know, I just want to – from someone who has tested it, because I'll be honest, I really need to because I test everything else, but I just don't want to get in the water with my dry suit because I feel like <laughs> something's wrong. I don't know. I just feel like it is. Um, but I, I definitely need to do it just so I know, you know, maybe just the feeling of it and then yeah. test what underlayers I have. So I won't really want to go into that. Um, can you – what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something. Oh no, I started talking too much about something else, my brain is off the subject. Um, Are you
4: gonna talk about underlayers?
1: I we were I wanted to go into that next, yeah, but it was something about the dry suit, and I can't remember what it is. I'll remember it eventually, hopefully before the show's over. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's move into underlayers so I think that's just as important as your dry suit because you kind of already said just because your dry suit is going to keep you dry, not warm. So yeah, right.
2: When it comes to underlayers, it's really about the material. You know, some kind of synthetic fabric like polyester, wool, nylon, fleece. uh, Preferably something that's going to give you those insulating properties, but not too much bulk. You know, that's that's the problem when you just grab stuff out of your closet Mm -hmm. um, or go to the thrift store, uh, which I've done. You know, some Mm -hmm. of my best merino wool clothing has came from the the, the thrift store, and I mean you're saving a lot of money who cares if it's stained or has a little hole in it as long as it does the job um, thin tightly woven polyester works really good and just layering it up you know most mm-hmm. of the dry suit manufacturers build these things with the intention that you're going to have a couple of under layers underneath and of course they they also make their own versions of under layers which work great but you know if you're kind of working on a budget Don't cheap out on the dry suit, get that, you know, run to the thrift store, get the right kind of materials, the polyester, the nylon, the wool, you know, the fleece and and layer it up like that and then go out and jump in the cold water. But do it, do it safely, close Mm -hmm. to a boat ramp so you can just walk out if you need to and make sure you got somebody on shore, preferably with a throw rope. That way, if something happens, you're not you're not going to die out there. Um, right. there's a lot of things that you'll learn when you're out there actually testing your, your dry suit and your under layers. Uh, you're going to learn how the water affects your hands. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn how the, the water and also the outside air temperature will affect your head and your central nervous system. Uh, perfect example. One of the tests that I did, it was the water temperature was 32 degrees. I mean, there was six foot of uh slush in the water and the air temperature was about two degrees with the windshield. So when when I came out of that water and that air temperature hit my head, it, it was definitely a huge shock. Oh bad. Um, so something like that, you're not gonna know about it until you actually get out there in the water and test under safe conditions. The last thing you want to do is accidentally fall out of your kayak be in a dangerous situation that now you have to work through those struggles that you don't even know you you're going to have.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull up this picture just because we're talking about it right now.
3: So th- <laughs> oh, this is like Lord. the
4: infamous picture. Like I always think of this every time I think
1: of it. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I think, I think I remember when uh, I, the first time I saw it, me and Brad were talking about, it, I was like, dude, that just looks painful. Like it doesn't like it just looks painful. And as someone like I've been through uh, uh, it's cold weather uh, mountain training in the Marine Corps, where they send you out west, you go up in the mountains and you learn how to operate in snow and everything. And I remember we did a test. We didn't do the test. The Marine Corps had sent some Marines over to Norway and they're like, yeah, I'd be happy you're doing this because they showed them in skis jumping into the lake with all their stuff on. And I was like, man, that just looks I remember saying I was like, that's stupid. Like, I'm not going to do that. I, I I'll just get shot. I don't care. And, uh, and I saw that and I was like, dude, that dry suit must be the bees. knees. It's right before I bought mine. And I was like that. That's the seller right there. Cause worst case, obviously you're not doing this for fun. You're testing it. Make sure showing it. I mean,
4: well, it makes for you, a cool picture. Were,
1: it makes for an awesome Instagram post. I mean, <laughs> that's social media gold right there, yeah. but it, it just proves that the, the product worked. And I like how you brought up Merino wool, um, I've recently kind of almost got Brad converted to Merino wool because he always complains about his feet being cold. Mm-hmm. I, w- I had the same issue until I found Merino wool socks that I use for hunting. And I love Merino wool because even when they're wet, they still keep their warming properties. Um, right. Right. And we were out there that same day. He's like, yeah, my feet are just cold. I got, you know, I think he, Brad typically will have a pair of socks, a hand warmer, foot warmer, and then a pair of socks to keep them warm. He's like, my feet still get cold. I mm-hmm. had one, one layer of merino wool on my feet. I felt great. <clears throat> um, so I'm glad you brought up merino wool because I'm trying to convert as many people as I can because that is a great fabric. It's fantastic.
2: There's another trick that you can do. Um, some kind of antiperspirant on your feet to keep them from sweating that's going to mm. keep them from getting cold
4: okay I, I have to try that that's the biggest part of winter fishing i found so far that's been tough for me just my feet no matter what i do i layer socks i have like a pair of like cheap wool socks i've put hand warmers in my uh, in my uh boots and i just can't figure it out so i guess my question is like Obviously, you got the Merino wool socks. Is there anything else you're using for your feet?
2: Uh, Besides the dry suit booties, uh, generally, I'll wear uh, the NRS boundary boots. Or if it's really cold, I'll wear just regular winter hunting boots. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody's like, oh, you can't get back in your your kayak with them. Well, I've done it a 100 times. So (laughs) I know it's going to work. Just like the dry suit. I mean, that, that picture was the most extreme test that we did. Um, and really what I was testing is, could I go in those conditions, fall out of the kayak miles offshore? I didn't have the torpedo at the time. So I'm working at two miles an hour on average. Mm -hmm. So if I'm two miles away from shore, that's an hour to get back after submersion. So I wanted to put myself in that situation. And then I spent like three hours outside afterwards my beard froze, my, my PFD froze to me. I I had to have a friend actually pull it off of me and then on thought just to get the zipper to work. Um, but it, it makes a huge difference though.
4: Yeah. Are you, are you layering up on top of the Merino wool socks with other pairs of socks? Depending on the, the temperatures, mm-hmm. I'll usually wear
2: two or three layers um, okay. I use a a thin layer, almost like a liner, but it does have a little bit of warming characteristics in it, real thin. And then I'll generally layer up with um, a thinner merino wool sock and then a heavier one, depending on the air temperature and, and okay. the water temperature, of course. Um, one of the things that I found, especially in a pedal drive, when you're pedaling all the time, your feet are elevated, you yeah. know, so you're not getting that, that blood flow. So just standing up, moving around, just keeping that circulation and also keeping enough room that you can move your feet inside your dry suit and inside your boots. You know, if okay. you, if, if you stuff it in there and you can't get that circulation flowing, it's definitely going to cool you down a little bit.
4: That makes sense. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have the WTB, WTB NRS wet boot. And, uh, Like I said, I'll wear two – excuse me. I'll use two or three pairs of socks with that, and they still get cold. But I do try to move my toes inside of there. Uh, Maybe it's because it's too tight. I don't know. But maybe I need to upsize on my boot. Well, and the other thing you
2: want to do is don't overdress. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to overdress your feet, and then they're sweating a lot, and then they're going to get cold. You know, even with the the Merino wool socks and stuff like that, your feet start sweating – you're gonna feel cold and everybody knows i mean once your hands and feet get cold it's it's over. your whole body is starting to cool down
4: yeah i i took matt out a couple weeks ago and i think it was finally my hands just started getting cold and i was just like all right i'm done <laughs> yeah so there's a couple yeah. of tricks that you can
2: do with that um good winter gloves uh and obviously neoprene gloves are great to have but kind of a challenge getting on and off so usually Mm -hmm. i don't even wear gloves um but i have my winter gloves stuffed underneath my seat or somewhere they're going to stay dry and i put hand warmers in them Mm -hmm. so after dealing with a fish dealing with all that cold water i can just stick my hands in those gloves and they're warm and back to to normal really quickly
4: yeah i kind of do something similar i'll have like a real thin like silky kind of glove and then i'll put hand warmers in the palms and i have wool gloves that go over top of it and that usually does does the trick unless it's really cold but
1: right yeah i'll be a a believer in the neoprene stuff because i have a set of the nrs hydro skin gloves and i'll wear those first and then again some wool fingerless gloves for my main fingers like these fingers that i use for casting and whatnot just for feel and uh I didn't really have a whole lot of issue. Obviously, your hands are going to get cold, especially, you know, it's just going to happen no matter what you have on there. Um, But I want to jet back a little bit because you said you use the dry, the uh, dry suit booties. Have you seen like a increase in like, I guess, temperature regulation or keeping warm with those booties in your dry suit?
2: I've never tried the bootyless dry suit, so I can't. I can't say, you know, from testing, Hmm. but in theory, it just comes down to keeping that cold water off of your, your feet, you know? So it gives you an extra layer, an extra barrier. Um, I can't imagine getting in that cold water without, you know, (laughs) warm socks on. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I want to try though, is, uh, the neoprene, uh, socks they make. I haven't picked up a set yet, but I'm interested to try those see how they work, you know, underneath the, the dry suit.
4: That was going to be my next question. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm interested in trying too. I've never tried them.
2: And then of course they make uh, heated socks specifically, I think for like skiing mm. and there's ones, you know, you can get pretty fairly cheap on Amazon and stuff like that, but they only last a few hours. Well, what happens after they die? Now your feet are really cold because they've been used to being warm all day. Um, so the, the best ones are, I forget what the manufacturer is, but it's the best sock for, for getting out there and, and skiing and they're 350 bucks, but you'll get eight, 10 hours out of the thing. And man, some days I'm on the water 10 to 14 hours. I mean it. It depends on how good the fishing is, you yeah. know. One thing you realize about cold water fishing, you're cold until you catch a fish. Yeah. yeah. Once you catch a <laughs> yeah. fish, you're good to go.
4: It's <laughs> like, all right, let's go. <laughs> exactly. I I think I just yeah, told I mean, Justin that last couple weeks ago. <laughs> That's funny. Go ahead. Yeah, you get
1: a little boost of adrenaline. You feel all the cold just drift off your body, and then I because I it was the first time we were out. It was cold. I got a fish. I do, I do winter rules. It hit, it got to the side of the boat. I was afraid of getting a treble hook stuck and it shook off. And I was like, well, I saw it. I almost touched it. I counted. (laughs) And I felt like I felt warm again. I was like, oh, this is great. My hands warmed up immediately. And then it was like 20 minutes later, like the worst cold I've had since I was out there just hit me again. It's because my body was coming back down. And I was like, oh, I got to catch a fish or I'm going to die. Like (laughs) use it as fuel at that point. Um,
4: That's funny
2: yeah what's one of those uh, things that can make you a better better angler if you try it yeah you know you just focus on hey i have to catch a fish to get warm um another thing before we move off of the like keeping your hands warm you know how your dry suits have the latex cuffs or the mm-hmm. latex uh, gasket and then you have a neoprene cuff over top where well, you can stick a hand warmer right in here on the oh, face of your man. wrist between the the latex and the neoprene and then cinch it down and it's going to warm up that blood that's going into your hands so that huh. that makes a big difference as well especially if you don't like to wear gloves
1: oh that's smart i never that's thought a great that. idea
4: yeah i didn't think about that either which you i uh you can't really do that with your feet maybe around your ankle but i don't know if that'd help very much
1: i mean if you could get like a something heated on like your femoral I could see that like on the inside of your thigh. Cause that's, right. I mean, that'll warm it up. That's a major blood area. That's a ton of blood going through you. Um,
4: <clears throat>
1: yeah. Cause I know they make like, again, for hunting, I've seen them, um, especially for late season deer hunting. It's a full face mask and head covering that has heated in the neck because of your jugulars right here. Again, a major vein, um, and that's been tested. Like there's been actual studies that have proven if you can heat up your bloodlines, your whole body will react positively to it. And they've mm-hmm. seen it anywhere from, I was reading this the other day, talking to somebody cause he was talking about, he's like, I never in season hunts too cold. It's like, well, as someone who's used one, I have one down here. I don't know where it's at because I have too much crap, but I've got one somewhere. And uh, from somebody who's used one in late season, putting it through there. I mean, I felt considerably warmer,
0: and mm-hmm. the studies that
1: they had the back that is they see an average of four to six degree temperature increase in your body temp. Yeah. So you can really stand the cold a lot more, especially when it's windy and the air temps a lot lower, because obviously the goal is not to fall out of your boat. Yeah, that's the right. that's the not the goal. That's the worst thing that could happen. But dealing with air temps can be just as miserable sometimes, especially if it's. Windy. A, even even a medium windy day not like a windy day where i'm out there in the summer cussing up a storm because my boat won't stay straight but just like a medium <laughs> windy day in the winter yeah. can take you know 20 degrees down to nine and right. nine yep. degrees is a big difference than 20
4: yeah so. i know well chuck me and matter from dayton ohio here so we don't get the extreme weather you guys do but true once it gets to like 25 degrees we, we start to wimp out <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> well w- one thing i do
2: in those conditions especially on lake erie you start to get a lot uh, away from the shoreline and there's no protection from the wind yeah. so it it significantly drops that temperature so i know that my under layers under my dry suit are going to keep me safe in the water
4: mm-hmm.
2: well how do i compensate for the air temperature without overdressing and now you're trying to take your dry suit off, trying to take layers off because you're overheating yourself. What I do is uh a good pair of rain gear uh mm-hmm. with uh they have like a rubber membrane in there and it's just a great windbreak. Especially if you start cooling down, you pull your PFD off real quick, set it in your lap, put that on, put your PFD back on and it's it's definitely going to warm you up a little bit. The other thing that you can do is they make these big body warmers. They're like Hot Hands or some some other mm-hmm. brand. And just unzip your dry suit and put it right here on your core. Mm-hmm. Zip your dry suit back and your PFD is going to be pushing that. Obviously, you don't want it on your skin. I usually put it on my top layer, um, which going back to the uh, putting hand warmers on your feet, The problem with that, what do you do when it gets too hot? Yeah. You know, because sometimes in the glove, those hand warmers get pretty hot. Yeah. So with those, you just pull them right off. If you have something like that inside your dry suit, now you're scrambling around and probably exposed because your zippers are open.
4: Yeah, that's true.
2: Just something to keep in mind.
1: And I can be the perfect example that if a zipper is open, no matter how small it is you're going to find out really quick because I put my dry suit on and I had my relief zipper open like that much <laughs> and a wind gust came through and I felt it immediately through yeah. every layer I had on. And I was just, I immediately like curled and I was like, Oh no zip. I was like, gosh, it sucks, man. And my, it took me, it took me an extra couple of minutes just to warm back up. It sucked.
2: My first test with the dry suit, I just walked in off the beach and Got in about waist deep and realized my relief zipper was not (laughs) shut all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I check it every time, just it's religious, you know? And the funny thing is I always remind people to check their relief zipper. So I drove out to, we went to Cave Run Lake a couple of years ago when that ice storm came in and Mm -hmm. everything was frozen around here. My buddy just bought a dry suit, so we went to the closest water, fished for some some uh, musky for a little bit, and then when we came back in, it was time for him to test his dry suit. And, you know, he, he checked his relief zipper before we went out and everything like that, but sometimes you got to relieve yourself on the water, mm-hmm. and you don't get it all the way closed unless you, you know, you make sure that it gets past that second uh, dock. Yep. So, he goes in the water, and... I didn't have the camera ready. I'm like, dude, ho- hold on, where are you going? Yeah, <laughs> he comes running out of the water, you know, because he he left his relief zipper open a little bit.
1: Oh, Lord! That uh, that
2: only has to happen once.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I bet it does. I believe me, I got a little wind gust, and I was like, nope. So now <laughs> I, it just gets checked all the time. I checked it a couple of times when I was out there. Like I know I went past second dock. I kept looking down. I kept like tugging it a little bit. Yeah. I was like, oh man. I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not playing this game. I don't want to be cold. Uh, I hate being cold. Brad will attest. 65 degrees. I'm still in a sweatshirt. 70 degrees. I'm in a long sleeve. It's not till it hits 80 or plus that I'm comfortable. So yeah, but, yeah. It just ain't. Uh, I can't do cold. It ain't for me. But um, Brad, is there anything you want to hit on before we move on?
4: Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, we we mentioned the merino wool. Um, do they make like? base layer stuff or they just strictly socks
1: they do
2: okay and the best thing to get for a base layer is almost like a like a onesie style Mm -hmm. the problem you're moving around a lot and your layers are starting to lift up on you and then you start to get that gap and you're going to get cold so having like a full suit size um works great just make sure it has a you know a relief spot that way you can use the bathroom real quick if you need to without pulling the dry suit off and going through all your layers.
4: I gotcha. Let's see. I'm trying. Sorry, go ahead and talk, Matt, if you need to, but I was trying to look for something to pull up here for it.
1: Uh well, actually, I'm trying to pull something up myself so I could buy one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking for the
4: merino wool base layer so I can. i about say if it. I don't
1: Oh, here you we go. Well, that's not a merino bull. There you go. I found one from smart wool. Smart wool makes good stuff. It has a hood. I'm not a huge fan of that, but, um, yeah. but I mean the, the thing that I go to, like, I use a lot of my hunting stuff. I first light is a company that I've used for hunting material, hunting clothes, and they're known for their merino wool. Their base layers are made of merino wool. Um, but i have also noticed kind of what you said moving around the kayak i did notice my top layer popped from my lower layer and i use uh under armour actually makes some really nice almost skin tight with a little bit of warming material in them for extreme cold and i use those as like uh my leggings and then a uh under or a base layer um cuz it's it's not it's moisture wicking so if you do get sweaty or anything it'll wake that off so you're not going to feel the cold um but even with all my layers tucked into that very bottom layer they still were wanting to pop up so yeah a, a onesie merino wool would be a no-brainer for the simple fact you don't have to worry about a whole lot because yeah. even if your second or third layer starting to move that onesie's still there and still covering you 100 so right and like you said always tuck your stuff in mm-hmm. as best you can
2: some of it's going to come untucked even my my pants so I'll put my pants on and I'll put my socks on and I'll tuck my pants into my socks. Yep. Cause when you're trying to get your dry suit on, everything's bunching up. That just keeps it down there because you start to expose some skin and you're going to feel the cold.
4: Yeah. I agree with yeah. that. I, that's kind of what I've done. So I got like this spot, this brand called cider, I guess it's a base layer. And then on top of that, I have uh, long John's and then I will have, like some fleece joggers. And then, well, say, same with my chest and stuff. I, I'll wear the base layer uh, chest, uh, another Long John shirt, and then like a sweatshirt on top of that. The sweatshirt's probably not a good idea just because it's cotton, but I'm sure I can find something else to replace it with it.
2: Yeah, never use cotton. Yeah. As soon as cotton gets a little wet, it starts wicking the, the heat away from your body. So cotton is, is a pretty deadly combi- uh, deadly combination when it comes to uh, cold water.
4: Yeah, so I need to figure that uh, part out. I do have and, a, a quick question.
1: Oh, yeah. sorry, continue. No, you're good. I was just
2: going to say, uh, speaking of cotton, a lot of the cheaper underlayers or long johns that they sell at Walmart or um, any of the other shops, read the material. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are like 50% cotton. If it has any cotton whatsoever, it is not the right thing to wear, uh, especially in
1: cold water conditions. Good to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only question, I've had a couple people reach out that are wanting to get into cold water, and they've asked about base layers, and I've, I've told them, hey, man, it's my first year. I, don't, I just know what I've been told, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any experience with the uh, NRS Expedition? suit the unit the union suit at all the base layers yeah it's I... got it's it's a polyester 97 polyester 3 percent spandex it's like 280 grams um i've had a couple people ask me about that and i was looking at it myself uh before you mentioned a full merino wool onesie which sounds way more warm um but i didn't know if you had any experience because i've had a couple people ask me so
2: I've never tried that. Uh, the ones that I wear, I picked up from Cabela's, I don't know, a handful of years ago. They make uh, extreme cold weather gear. And there's, um, I think there's like a light version, a medium and a heavy. The heavy is almost too much. So the one that I wear is a medium version. Obviously you want it nice and tight fitting, uh, but something that's got, you know, a little bit of thickness, a little bit of bulk. The thinner stuff, depending on the material, you know, it's, it's going to work great, but you want a little bit of bulk in there too, you know, just, just a little bit of, uh, density.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, we didn't hit the head. So, uh, are you using some kind of hood or are you just wearing like a mask or what are you going
2: I have a couple different things. It really depends on what the temperatures are once I get out there, or if I'm moving around a lot or catching a lot of fish, uh, you want to be able to adjust, you know, quickly for comfort. Um, just like cold water dangers, you start to overheat yourself. That can, that can be potentially dangerous out there as well. Mm-hmm. So what I keep with me is I'll have uh neoprene balcala. Uh, think it's five mil might Mm -hmm. be three mil Um, fits nice fits tight but it's extremely warm you know sometimes it's too warm but I always keep it tucked under my seat so if I get cold I could throw that thing on real quick Uh, as far as cold waters uh, cold water testing I've never had any issue with just having a bare head uh, except Mm -hmm. for the fact when I was testing in that two degree wind chill. When my head came out of the water, uh, it was a shock. It mm-hmm. took me a second to just kind of shake it off, and and realize what was going on. But everybody's body works differently, and that's again why we test. Um, perfect example: a friend of mine at, over at the uh, the National Center for Cold Water Safety. Him and his wife are sea kayakers, and every time they go out, they roll and they test their gear. Well, one day she got out there and did her role and came out of the boat and she popped up and Molten said, what happened? And she didn't really understand it at the time. And I didn't until she came on my podcast and explained the story. And I made the connection between my testing and and what actually happened. Mm -hmm. As soon as your head hits that water, that's your central nervous system. You really need to know how that's going to, you know, work, how it's going to affect it. So if you get out there and you test and you have that situation, you know, get a neoprene balcala. Uh, if it's too thick, get something thinner. Mm-hmm. But I have the really thick one. It, it's great for wind protection and it, it just keeps me a lot warmer. Um, that being said, I just use a regular, um, it's, it's like a polyester blend Mm-hmm. Uh, just a a hat and then I use like a trapper's hat over top of that, you know, with all the fuzz on the inside. you can mm-hmm. strap it around your neck and obviously a buff helps too so you can pull your buff up around your neck and oh, yeah. that does really well for me and it also allows me to pop that stuff off if the sun comes out or the day, you know, the day continues and it starts to get a little bit warmer or even, At the times where you're out there when it's warmer and the sun starts going down and the temperatures drop, which that's another thing to pay attention to on cold water is you're going to have so much of a temperature fluctuation. You got to be prepared for that and Mm -hmm. just make sure you're not in a dangerous situation. Find yourself two miles offshore freezing because, you know, the sun went down, the wind started blowing and it's 30 degrees cooler than... When it was when you launched,
4: yeah, that's crazy. I know I'm, I'm on the hunt for one of those hoods myself, so I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because it makes me feel a little bit more confident confident in trying to find one to take out there with me. So,
1: yeah, I've I've looked at the Storm Hood from NRS because it's a two and a half back millimeter order, meter. Man. Yeah, I know. Believe me, <sighs> that sucks.
4: Yeah,
1: um, but I've I've looked at those and then with a dry suit kind of before well now it's it's changed my mind again because before I thought I couldn't have anything in between and then I went out and they're like oh yeah put something in between now you're saying yeah don't do that so <laughs> i was thinking i was like well where am i going to put it but i mean the joy so i use the NRS dry suit and just like most dry suits i'm sure yours is the same it has the outer collar a, away from that and the the NRS storm hood will fit in any dry suit and it'll actually tuck into that outer collar so that's that's a great option i've been looking at it of course they're back ordered which sucks i can't find it anywhere so it is what Same. it is i'll just keep keep rocking a beanie until i fall
4: in one time and <laughs> well There's... what br- what brand is your uh your hood you're using? uh what brand is that
2: it's just something off of amazon okay i think it was like 20 bucks um i went with the thickest one that i could find
4: yeah what I, I, I'm not I don't really care. It doesn't need to be NRS or anything. I just no, I no. want one. So I, I might look into that.
2: Yeah. I can look up in my history and uh hopefully it's still in there. If not, I'm sure I can find it.
4: Yeah. I probably cool. have a yeah, link posted we're, somewhere. We're all about saving money. So mm-hmm. uh, this show we we've done shows where we talk about saving money on Online shopping for fishing baits and stuff like that. So, any any way we can help people like that, that's what we're gonna do. Especially
2: with this, you know, you yeah. don't want to sacrifice on the dry suit to get the other stuff. You know, nobody's gonna see your under layers. Yeah. Any anything that's neoprene is gonna work kind of the way that it's designed to. You know, is it the best tool for the job? maybe not but at least it's it's the right tool you know and that's kind of how i look at it especially now that i'm outfitting a lot more people and you know there's days where people come out with their dry suits but they don't have enough underlayers, they don't have enough gloves or a baklava or anything like that so you know any way to save on stuff like that is is definitely great especially in business yeah
4: yeah i agree with that yeah. that's for sure uh is there anything we missed on this subject at all i i, I know you got the uh, head
1: dry suit under layers feet hands is there any way because you do a lot of your stuff obviously like you said six months out of the year freezing temperatures is there any way you prepare your other gear? So not just your body, but your your kayak, your fishing tackle, your motor. Because I know you use. It. You said you mentioned you have a torpedo now. Is there anything you do to kind of make sure that's cold weather ready?
2: Um, well, obviously, you want to make sure that your, your kayak is, you know, water ready. Just a, a quick pre-trip inspection. Make sure there's no cracks that you didn't see. Uh, or anything like that, make sure you pull the prop off of your drive or, or your torpedo or, or electric motor, uh, just to make sure you didn't pick up any line or anything like that along the way. Um, the last thing you want is for something to fail and limit your ability to get back.
4: Yeah. So be I just kind of
2: run through that, you know, make sure I have my extra gloves, my extra hats, make sure my kayak is ready uh, to save my life if it needs to. And um, one tip I will say, like the dry suit and my underlayers, I keep them in a bin, but I bring all that stuff in. I used to leave it in the trunk of my car and I'd get everything ready. And then I'd put my cold dry suit on. You know, that dry suit been sitting in 20, 30 degree temperatures all night. And it's going to bring your temperature down. Uh, So I leave it in the house until I'm ready to leave and just keep it in the truck that way it's it's all warm same with the boots any kind of boots neoprene boots or or hunting boots um gloves it's really not that big of a deal because I open up my hand warmers stuff them in my gloves and then I stuff them under my seat so when whenever I need it when my whenever my hands are too cold I just grab them and pop them in there
4: very cool yeah that's
1: Yeah, that's a great tip to have, especially if there's... Because I know people, like you said, like kind of like you, they hate wearing gloves. They won't wear them if they don't have to. So that's a great tip. You know, when your hands do get cold, pop them in, let them warm back up, and then you can take them back off and continue to do what you're doing. You can have a little bit. You can kind of spread it out. Um, Right. Which is, I mean, it's a big... It's it's kind of a mind twist because you're cold and then you're warm, and then you can feel like you can be cold a little bit longer and then you're warm again. You're kind of tricking your mind into... Not letting your cold hands bother you as much because you always know you have an out by putting it in your gloves. so right And another thing you
2: can do is take a thermos of coffee, tea, mm. um, or even just hot water you know because generally coffee and tea kind of makes you you know go to the bathroom a lot more yeah um, but if you just boil some water, put it in a thermos when you get cold, just pour a little cup you can put your hands around it and warm up. Take a sip. It's gonna put that warm liquid inside your body, and it's an instant um, hand—not a hand warmer, but it's an instant body warmer.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Another good tip, man. So,
2: say full. The the hot water tip come from uh, Jeff Little. Oh
4: yeah, I always used
2: to carry coffee out there, you know, and I'm constantly (laughs) using the bathroom, but uh, just regular water. Plus, it's it's funny. Hydrate you a lot better.
4: Yeah, it's funny cuz doctors say that warm water is a lot better for you than drinking cold water too. So. There.
2: It's a lot easier for your body to digest.
4: Yeah. That's what I've heard. Interesting, but hey. Uh pretty some pretty good tips though. Um let's see here. I think we hit everything. I mean, anything else that we want to hit before we end this?
1: The only thing i want to i want to ask you is what is the real life not training what is the worst situation that you've been in yourself because you've you've done this a lot more even than just us going on the river we're going out hitting spots for a couple hours we're not doing 10 hour days so what situation have you been in that really kind of puts you to the test of your knowledge and your skill base in this
2: well a lot of times it's those real situations that uh teach the knowledge you know For example, I think it was 2017, 2018, there was four of us out there, kind of spread out a little bit. Nobody had radios at the time. Fortunately, it was summertime, so the water wasn't cold yet. Um, Come to find out one of my buddies actually, uh, the kayak had cracked, it was taken on water. He didn't know it. After three or four hours, it just threw him in the water. Well, at that point, when I got the phone call, I had no idea where he was because I mean, on, on Lake Erie, everything kind of looks the same, especially on a weekend when there's a lot of boats on the water. Um, So that's something that you want to prepare for. doesn't matter what kind of kayak you have or what brand Mm -hmm. they all crack, you know, they all can crack. It's, it's just plastic. So, you know, that's, that's why we do the pre-trip inspection, just check for cracks and leaks and stuff like that um also you know make sure you're prepared for absolutely everything worst case scenario uh my neighbor he was lost on Lake Erie for three and a half days Wow yeah just floating adrift it was 28 years ago so they didn't have a lot of the technologies they have now um and fortunately they had a a little, Cabin that they could get into, uh, one at a time, and just warm up because it was three to five footers out there, early spring. The water was still cold. Mm -hmm. A little bit of rain on and off, and one of the things that they did not have was water. So they were heading over to uh, Putten Bay for a walleye tournament. Putten Bay is kind of a party island, you know, and they're they have a cooler full of Jack Daniels and beer for when they get there, and ice well, along the way, they were sucking on ice cubes to stay hydrated. Wow. Um, So I carry a life straw. You know, you never know when you're going to be in that situation. You need some, you know, some rehydration. A lot of times we don't realize how dehydrated we are until we get in that type of situation. And the number one thing you need to live is water. So having that life straw handy uh, inside my kayak, I have a, basically a bailout safety bag and everything stays in that and that stays in my kayak. So I never forget it. I don't have to worry about it being in there.
4: Good stuff. So that's,
2: that's something that, uh, that you can definitely add to your arsenal and, and prepare about, uh, it's actually on my podcast. I think it's episode 20 of the Lake Erie kayak anglers podcast, uh, Jerry's story. And, A lot of my preparations come from that, Mm -hmm. you know, just analyzing and breaking down all the different things that he went through uh, and how it could be prevented. You know, nowadays we all have VHF radios. Uh, A lot of different ones probably have something similar. The one I use is um, Standard Horizon HX 890 and it has a group monitoring feature. So you can actually look down and see your buddy's GPS coordinates Mm. Um, and there's a distress button on the, on the bottom. So if they get, uh, or actually on the back of it, so if they get in danger, they can grab that, just hit that button. It's sending their signal to the rest of the group, you know, to let them know that, Hey, they need help. Here's their GPS coordinates. That's a good idea as well. Um, I also carry a personal locator beacon, It's not really practical for a lot of the inland waters when you can see both sides of the shore. But, you know, Lake Erie can be very predictable, but it can be very unpredictable, too. Mm -hmm. So you never know what's going to happen. Having a personal locator beacon, that might be the difference between you being found or, you know, floating to Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: better Uh, better have your passport
2: (laughs) yeah i was about to say well (laughs) the funny thing is that's that's where my neighbor was found
4: that's crazy oh
2: really uh, he was rescued by the canadian coast guard and he launched um i think it was out of huron ohio which Mm -hmm. you know is what 40
1: minutes 60 minutes west of cleveland
3: yeah Mm -hmm.
4: that's crazy
1: (sighs) i mean that's yeah that's insane but that 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 You know, talking about the VHF and then your bailout bag. A lot of guys, kayaks are becoming a lot more popular than they were in the past. It's not just a river boat anymore. Um, I mean, me and Brad have had our boats out on Dale Hollow, uh, larger lakes. I know guys who fish every major lake. I mean, you fish Erie. I know guys who fish Lake Michigan and they fish all the great lakes and people take them out in the ocean. Having a bailout bag is a great idea for anybody, whether you're going in the south or the north, because a lot of these VH radios... Most major lakes, especially large ones, if they don't have a Coast Guard, the people who are monitoring the lake do monitor radio calls and things like that. And a lot of these have distress buttons where they just flood the the spectrum with distress calls. So, I mean, that's one of the more thing that can save your life. So if you fish a lot of these really big waters, especially if you fish them alone, it is a great idea to have a bailout bag, to have, you know, things that can save your life. Because not every situation is like your neighbor where he floats for three days and is found right. a lot of people, I mean, they could be floating for f- ever because, yeah. you know, I mean, stuff happens. It could happen. It, you can last weeks or you can last hours. Yep. So having those are a great, great idea to have.
2: Yeah. And also throw some kind of fire starter in there. You know, it's, it's not practical for me on Lake Erie because it's not like I could just pull up to the shoreline. Um, maybe an Island, if I get to it,
4: can't start a fire on your kayak,
2: right? (laughs) But inland, you know, it's perfect. It's perfect for you. Or if you come across somebody in the water, uh, you know, a lot of times it's not that people are trying to, you know, be dangerous and risk their life. They just don't Mm -hmm. know any better. So I always try to be in the mindset that I need to be prepared to save somebody else. Right. You know, so stuff like that fire starting material, uh, a little baggie of like lint or kindling, um, that'll get some some wet uh, wet kindling started for you. And uh, another tip I got from Jeff Little was a little piece of cardboard. You can use it to fan the fire and get it started. Or if it's real windy, you can actually create a barrier to give that fire a little bit of protection. But that's something that can save your life one day
4: man that guy thinks oh, of man. everything <laughs> yeah d-
1: dude he's just a wealth of knowledge it's insane and it's just all it's everything it's not just yeah. like kayak fishing it's like oh yeah piece of cardboard you can be used as a barrier or a fanning device for your fire <laughs> like it's just just off the wall stuff it's awesome but uh Speaking of a lot, like you said, people sometimes they just don't understand. We had a, a fellow podcast host, uh, Brad Herabos, for the Fin Feather oh, yeah. show on Paddle and Fin. There was a gentleman. I'm not sure if it was in Illinois where he was at, or if it was in Wisconsin. I think it's Wisconsin. I, remember, I believe it was. He was out uh, ice fishing and bro- broke through the ice three times. Had a, finally got out, and you know, luckily was able to make the hospital save his life because I mean, it wasn't going to turn out great for him. Brad when was able to go out and find all this dude's gear that was just floating in the river for, or the lake for four days. But I mean, it's, it's not necessarily people, you know, a lot of times when we see boat accidents or jet ski, especially jet ski accidents will automatically, well, they're probably doing something stupid. That's 90% of the time. That's not the case. It's not like they were meaning to do it. Um, you know, but stuff can happen. You know, you go out in your kayak, you don't think a four footer will roll you because you've done them hundreds of times until this four footer hits you just right in your, Boat decides to become a submarine, and right. you know it, it can happen. It's not like you—you you understood the risk; it still happens. So, having this stuff, whether you think you're super skilled in it or not, is just like you said—it can save your life. It doesn't matter your skill set. Yeah, you know. So, but Chuck, thanks for coming on, man. A lot of knowledge and a ton of tips that uh, I don't know about our listeners, but I learned quite a bit that I'll be taking yeah, from this. Uh, me too. I was about to say, and Brad, I mean, he's already said great tips and he's been doing this a lot longer than me. So that makes me feel not as stupid. So, <laughs> the, <laughs> but uh, Chuck, if you want to give a shout out again, where they can find you on socials and your podcast, shout that out so they know where to look. I make it pretty easy
2: for you. So you could just Google my name, Chuck Earls. And generally that'll bring you to all my different resources. I have a uh, Facebook, Instagram, tick uh, TikTok. i have a podcast um a podcast on youtube and it's also hosted on pretty much all the other podcast platforms um, i also have a separate youtube channel with all my cold water safety stuff uh, but most of that stuff can be found if you go over to my website which is lake erie kayak
4: fishing.com there you go
1: fantastic
4: Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your expertise on the subject. And uh, yeah, uh, it's been a fun one. So um, with that said, I think we'll end it here, man. You guys have a good one and uh, we'll see you next week.
3: Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on waypoint tv waypointtv.com make sure you sign up for the fantasy kayak fishing league at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy you can support this show through patreon patreon.com forward slash paddle fin don't forget to check out the website paddleandfin.com catch us on youtube